Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. It is Tuesday, December 14th, as we are recording this. I say that with confidence because... It is my daughter's ninth birthday. It is also Robert Covington's birthday. She's thrilled that they share a birthday. Uh, we, I hope she wanted we, a loss. She was convinced. I mean, she could have Blazers, five or six of them. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. She was convinced that they were going to win for her birthday. She told me that all day and wanted to stay up and f- watch the game. I finally made her go to bed when they went into overtime. And I'm going to tell her they won tomorrow. Lie to her. Yeah. You want I'm me? absolutely going to lie to her. Do you want me to make a fake recap? I can make a fake, <laughs> fake recap for you. I can just like, instead of publishing it, we can keep it on the back page and I can just I'll keep the actual recap and just change the little overtime blurb. I think I, I think I will try to avoid going to those lengths to lie to her, but I'm definitely telling her they won. It, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster with my children and basketball because my six-year-old son who had deemed himself a phoenix fireballs fan because he didn't know they were he thought they were the fireballs not the suns and frankly it's better advertising in my opinion discovered the raptors this week and they're you know dinosaurs so he has now turned into a raptors fan but his little brother who is an absolute dinosaur fanatic is holding firm to his Trailblazers fandom, because in his words, Mom CJ is still on the Trailblazers. Right. So I've got him for now. <laughs> we'll see how long he lasts. Except you know, the fireball killed the dinosaurs. So I mean, <laughs> you may have to uh, adjust for that. I accidentally slipped to him that it they were not the fireballs; they were the suns. And he this this is so him. He looked me dead in the face and said, "Well, Mom, who do we talk to about that?" And so uh, he's he he just refuses to call them the Suns, but he's moved on to the Raptors. He's requested a purple throwback Raptors jersey for Christmas. Um, it's a good jersey. So I think he might be set. Yeah, I think he I think he might be set. And my my littlest one, when he saw that jersey, I thought I was going to lose him. I thought that was going to be it. He was going to be a Raptors fan. But he, uh, I was looking up Gary Trent Jr. jerseys, and so. He happened to see the Trailblazers one next to it and decided that was the one he wanted. So good man. I live to see another day with two out of three Portland Trailblazer fans. Until they hit their <laughs> teenage years and start being Lakers fans to annoy you. Don't you dare 
Dave, don't you do it. They're going to have to support themselves if they become Lakers fans. <laughs> I used to no, say I'm the not same, in this house. used to say the same things about my children, but at this point, I give up. I mean, do they, are, are your kids Laker fans? No, no. Oh, God, no. Um, I, I was going to say, because my daughter has your son's jersey, your old, his mm-hmm. old Damian Lillard jersey. Exactly. So well, he gave it to her out of, out of kindness and because it didn't fit anymore, not because he's changed fandom. So, oh, what are you well, drinking? That's good. What, what, what is it? Is it Diet Mountain Dew? Diet, Diet Pepsi. Pepsi. Yeah, I've got uh, zero sugar, Dr. Pepper, and cream soda, uh, which is actually not bad. It's kind of smooth. I can't do Dr. Pepper, and I hate when they will replace your drink with Dr. Pepper, and you get a drink of it, and it's just like, it ruins your day. It's terrible. <laughs> My ex felt the same way, so now I'm looking like, like oh, okay, that's not, okay. I don't that's trust people who don't like Dr. Pepper. I'm sorry. I we I I. My children oops. live on it on weekends. <laughs> They're like Dr. <sighs> Pepper. Yeah. So. Oh man, it's. I I like that we're taking the time to avoid talking about all the losses. <laughs> Sixth <laughs> loss in a row. What so what else can we talk about? It's uh, it's well. So okay, yeah. Golden State, no surprise. Fair enough. At least uh, Steph Curry didn't break the record. You know what's record. ironic? What I legitimately thought. We might win this one because mm-hmm. that would be such a trailblazer thing to do that I I really thought, hey, you know what? This might be we might this might be a win for us. Well, I mean, it is true that's a trailblazer thing to do, but the trailblazers can't even do trailblazer things anymore. They're just kind of mushy, not they're in the bad spot. Uh, I mean, they almost did tonight. They yes. almost did a very trailblazers thing. So tonight. Minnesota got God knows what happened, but uh, yeah, the Suns. Okay, let's talk about the Suns game because that's clearly the most positive game they've played in the last couple weeks. And look, I like the starting lineup. I mean, it's one that we talked about. I like it for prideful reasons because you and I were talking about this six weeks ago. (laughs) Who do you want in the starting lineup? I want uh, Nance Jr. and I want Nasir Little. And I want to see what that defense looked like. And the defense actually looked good for long stretches. They still had problems at the center position and containing. And part of that was guard-oriented, but you're shifting more defensive-oriented you know, ones, twos, and threes in there, and it's still not her- helping entirely. So some of that is Nurkic in the scheme. Sorry, folks. I know people have been like, but Nurk's doing good. He is doing good, but this is not this is not working out for him real well, perfectly anyway. But the defense did look better. I like this lineup. Uh, there was a certain amount of discombobulation or uncoordination, which is natural when you're when you replace two fifths of the starting lineup. Uh, also, look, on offense, that was big time. It forced Damian Lillard to step up, and that was good. And Norman Powell was really good in the first like three quarters of the game. First of all, you saw that I think Lillard and Powell have the chance to be almost as good of a scoring duo as Lillard and McCollum, but also that the defense has a much better chance to be better. Uh, and I think with some time, this lineup might be able to grow into something the questions are, do they have that time? And number two, is what they're growing into enough to justify it? Iffy on no, either question. No. Yeah. No, I'd say, yeah. No, they don't, they don't have the time. They, I mean, that's what, that's, I feel like that's what we keep talking about. It's like, yeah, there's a little bit of wiggle room here. We don't have to do something t- tomorrow, but moves need to start being made. We're, we're, we've been saying for years, we have time, we have time, we have time, we have time, we have time. There's always more time, but we're running out of time to do what we want to do, especially if we want to do it with Dame. I guess if you don't want to do it with Dame, then you've got all the time in the world. But in my opinion, that's a bad move. 
once again, we're, we're right back to, you know, that's one thing that the trailblazers really trailblazer with Mm -hmm. those injuries. It's just like year after year after year, we can't catch a break. But this time it's CJ McCollum, and this gives you a chance to see the exact non-McCollum lineup that would happen if you traded him. And I didn't hate it. I got to tell you, they didn't win, but I didn't hate it. Not necessarily the exact lineup, though, because you're going to trade him for something. Well, exactly. For someone. So so essentially, you know, if, if you have a lineup like this without him that does okay, and then you improve that, by bringing in, you know, a better player that's going to, or maybe not better, but a player that's going to fit what we're doing better, it could be good. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. And I think, you know, Robert Covington is coming off the bench now and certainly open. I mean, even Nance Jr. is open. He's not a long-term player here, perhaps. And he and Nurkic make a curious couple a little bit right now. Although, I mean, I think Nurkic himself is, is wide open. He's shown some great flashes of brilliance, but this isn't working. It isn't working. There's there's no way around that. And he's not helping enough. He's doing good things. People are like, rah, 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 rah. okay. Yes, you're right. But if you do good things, you know, if you're just adding, you're playing poker and you're adding hearts to get a flush and you get something that also kind of makes a straight but doesn't make it, that card's no good. Or you're adding an ace, which is a high card, but it doesn't fit with your flush. It's It's no good. Uh, in that hand. And that's oversimplified, but that's a little bit where Nurkic is right now, especially if Billups wants to play this way. Now, if you want to drop Nurkic back, uh, like Stotts did, and save him a little bit on defense, and also you want to let him set high screen and rolls like Kingdom Come, uh, then I think that you can get all of Nurk. But then what else does that do to your system? And does that involve enough other players? There's no way to solve this that doesn't disadvantage somebody, which means that it's probably time to change the lineup as we talked about ad nauseum. And and Nurk is certainly a candidate at this point. And again, remember everybody, his contract is done after this year. Done, done, done. The Blazers will have to pay through the nose to re-sign him, even if he, if he would even be willing to re-sign here after all of this that he's been through. So look, that that's flatly on the table and maybe one of the ways to the right team to make that package with CJ look attractive enough to pull the kind of player that you really want. Yeah, it seems to me like the writing is on the wall that CJ, Nurk, Rocco, and then possibly like an Ant or Nasir, uh, which pains me to say, are probably going to be moved, maybe even by the deadline. You know, like you said, both Nurk and Rocco are expiring contracts they both, in my opinion, are are make sense to move, uh, obviously, cons- depending on what kind of a, a trade you can get, but they make sense to move. And, and CJ McCollum makes sense to move. So it seems to me that something built around those three specifically uh, is coming. And I, I, I think, you know, obviously, when you look at our assets, that's what we have to work with as far as you know, big contracts or decent sized contracts. And then it wouldn't surprise me if, if, you know, maybe one of our younger players and and some picks and things like that get thrown in there as well. But I think that the writing's on the wall. It seems like that's what it's coming down to. I will be shocked if by the end of the year, CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic and Robert Covington are all still suiting up in trailblazers 
uniforms. I do not see that happening. And and I, I would hope at this point they wouldn't have to throw in Little or Simons because I think both of those fit and both of those are young. But then do you have to throw in draft picks? And it depends on the player you're getting back. Right. I mean, sometimes yes and sometimes no, I think. But again, I think if you look a little bit longer than just this year and you look at the Blazers' likely fate this year, which is not going to be very kind... What are you preserving? What are you holding back? Uh, I think that the bar is lower for trading them than it's ever been, obviously. Now, the question is, is their value also lower than it's ever been? Eh, maybe. You know, another team wants that combination of assets or it's not as popular nowadays, but is willing to live with the expiring contracts and thinking we can resign these guys. or we don't want to resign these guys. We just want to dump some salary. There are possibilities out there, probably. And the Blazers are essentially gaining not much by keeping them at this point. There's just not there's not a future there. Uh, So it's it's time to do it. We've talked about that before. And uh, it's really it's moved from. You know, could this happen? To will this happen? To this needs to happen, and uh, and there you go. Uh, and again, the whole catalyst for dropping into this discussion again is that act, that starting lineup actually didn't look too bad. It didn't look too bad, and you can easily imagine that or someone else coming in with a near CJ level of talent. And this is the other thing. Again, you can take back players who aren't quite CJ because if CJ's value turns into not much for you then anything better than not much is a is a gain, even if, empirically speaking, that player's talent is less than CJ. Yeah, I mean, the, the Blazers have options here if they can pull a deal. They don't have to get full value or even better value yet, or back yet now in order to in order to prosper from this. They just have to get something that's better than what they have now. Well, and there's a lot of rumors flying as far as trades go. You know, this is always something that I, I, you know, I struggle with this every year because I get attached and I don't want to see these guys go. I don't want to see them go to different teams. But I also uh, am excited at some of the names that I'm hearing thrown around. The specific trades are not really my skill, but um, I do like some of the names that are being floated. Um, Sabonis is has been thrown around as, as a possibility. And I, I like him as a player. I don't know that he's the best fit for us, but I like him as a player. And I think that he would be deeply embraced by Portland. You know, his, his father obviously played for the team years ago. And, and so, you know, how Portland fans are when someone either comes home or the child of a, a previous player comes to the team, they are they are embraced with open arms. So I think Sabonis would be well-loved in Portland. Although, again, I'm not sure he's the best fit, but I like his game. I think he's a great player. There's also Jeremy Grant rumors. Jeremy Grant's a name that I threw out there a couple weeks ago and said I would kind of like to see a Jeremy Grant trade. I would like to see Jeremy Grant and Miles Turner. I think that would be a really good combination for us. And I think it's actually something that might be possible to get with, with some of the names that we've put out there as far as guys that we have to offer. So that name is floating around. I, I'm sure there's others as well, but but those are the ones that I'm hearing the the most about right now. And honestly, I, I'm not mad about any of them. Yeah, I mean, Sabonis would be interesting in terms of he's a real good system guy. Uh, he, his three-point shooting is not fantastic. That's an 
that might be a little bit of an issue depending on how they play. But the Blazers are becoming less reliant on that. He's he's a huge rebounder, obviously, always has been. Uh, he's a smart player. He's a high percentage shooter inside the arc uh, who has some range. And the exciting thing about him is he can make plays. He can move the ball. He's like... Larry Nance Jr., maybe his defensive potential isn't quite as high, but that smart guy who makes all of the right plays and does really well in terms of, you know, uh, reading the floor like Nance Jr. does, Sabonis is that and then some. Uh, Miles Turner is exciting because he's a better three-point shooter and he's a, you know, he's a fairly mobile center. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's not the scorer that Sabonis is, but he's definitely got some wrinkles to his game that Portland would benefit from. I'm not sure in isolation he makes a huge difference, but he might actually might actually be able to defend in Billups' system better than Nurkic does. So there is that. Both of those guys are 28, so there's absolutely no issues uh, trading for either of them. They make $18, $19 million a year. No issues there either. There's nothing wrong with either one of them. Uh, you also have Jeremy Grant, who's a little bit more of a swing forward. He's a higher scorer. Um, also, you know, a, a good defender, which is probably what's exciting about him. I, I like his defense, actually. He's not the most efficient scorer in the universe, but he's a two-way player. And he does, he does put up, he does produce points. He doesn't have all the wrinkles. He doesn't have all the, the multi-skilled game that a Sabonis has. But he might, he's probably more individually impactful. He's got a higher peak, a sharper spike at the top of that mountain, as opposed to Sabonis, who is shaped more like Mount St. Helens, who's wider, smoother at the top, but pretty much recognizable and sturdy and will fit right in there. Uh, so I'm not sure which is better for the Blazers at this point. I think maybe they need more of the spike, especially if you're going to trade away CJ, who is another one of those really high peaks. And so I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't be upset at Grant at all, but as you've pointed out, any one of them is is great. The problem being, of course, how good is CJ's trade value now, or how good is that package now? Is it good enough to bait Detroit or Indiana? Uh, I'm not sure why Detroit wants McCollum. I'm not sure why Detroit wants out of Grant's pretty reasonable salary. Uh, it's it's hard to see where there's a big upside there for the Pistons in trading for the Blazers straight up. Maybe you could work a three-way for one of these guys, though. This is where this stuff gets tricky because, you know, we can sit here and construct a great roster that fits together perfectly and has all the talent and skill that we need. But to actually, in real life, get those guys, we have to have something that is available that they want and and is, you know, works with all the financial parts and whatever else. It's not an, a straight across easy move very often. Um, so I, you know, the one good thing here is that Cronin is apparently very good with all this stuff. So I'm hoping that he is able to figure things out and kind of, you know, get us what we need. Right. And well, here's the thing too. You got to remember all these guys are 28. So this is not like the analogy is how Blazer fans feel about CJ, but for their teams, this is not like how Blazer fans feel about CJ now. This is how Blazer fans felt about CJ two or three years ago. And remember, like people were willing to trade him, but they weren't willing to trade him for stuff that wasn't real good. 
You know, it's not like, oh, well, we need to trade him because this is not working. It was like, the Blazers would probably be better without him, uh, but he's really valuable, so I'm okay keeping him, and don't give him away unless it's a good deal. That's right. how these teams are going to feel about their 28-year-olds as well, even if they know they need to rebuild. Uh, at Portland knew they needed to rebuild three years ago, too, and didn't pull the trigger on it because they couldn't get value for CJ. If, if, the, if you can't give them the, you know, Indiana and Detroit value, you're not going to get these guys. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, we're in a unique position, too, where we tend to overvalue sometimes and expect to get more than we maybe can, although I, we're obviously not the only ones who do that. We see that we're seeing that a little bit with Ben Simmons and the rumors that they want to dame for him. And who is it? Like that, who? You know, ben? With, Why have we never talked little... about Ben Simmons? <laughs> Dia, that took Dia a minute. <laughs> like it's processing real slow in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, there are days where I'm not sure if you're kidding or if you're serious. Sorry, I'm not. Second, I'm not. I'm, I'm not trying to gaslight you. No, we we have talked lots. I just was thinking. Wait a second, Dave. Did I just imagine all these conversations? Because I swear we've had them, but maybe that was Twitter. Um, <laughs> no. So sorry, folks. Yeah. I, I, I broke Dia's brain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, it's it's like Ben Simmons. Look, and Philadelphia is going to continue to value him highly. And this is the trick with trades. And again, this is why it's utterly foolish to go back three years ago and say, well, want to trade CJ, but we don't want to trade CJ because he's good. Okay, you're going to wait to trade him when he's bad? Then nobody's going to want him. Yeah. Or you're going to wait yep. to trade him until you don't yeah. need him or he's old? Nobody's going to want him. You've got to make the trade right. when it hurts. you got to pay something to give something. And this whole idea of you're going to like get a steal, that happens sometimes, but not really often. And a lot of things that look like steals yeah. aren't. And a lot of the things that Blazer fans called steals over the years, which granted they did. I mean, getting Mo Harkless for nothing, that's a steal. Okay, but... Ultimately, in the big picture, did it do what you wanted it to do? Did it do? Did it change the team? No, there's a reason you got Mo Harkless for nothing. And it's not that you didn't get ahead with it. It's that literally you didn't get ahead enough. So you're playing this little game over here. It's like a board game where you can accumulate money for purchasing power, but you end up with victory points and that's how you win. And you spend the whole game accumulating money. You're making smart moves and getting steals. At the end of the game, you're stuck with a big wad of money that you never used properly and you have no victory points and you lost a game. That's a little bit where the Blazers are right now. So... Yeah, let's see if Joe Cronin can parlay these guys into something. Uh, and if not, by the way, here's the thing. We're all mentioning big names. Now, I hate to sound Olshay-esque, but that may not be possible. But let's see if Cronin and company can parlay Portland's you know, assets that they want to move into something that's genuinely smart. I don't think you... There's no bargain basement move or no steal here, but do you get? Can you get some young players or some assets that you go? Okay, this is not going to change this year, but there's something sneaky right about this that's not that's not shadow or shell game or anything like that. That literally you can forecast one two years from now and go, this is going to pay off. And if they can do that, they should do that as well. I'm willing to wait a year because the chances of turning around this one look pretty bleak at this point. I'm willing to wait a year to look really good next year or the year after. I think that's a possibility. Dame is going to age, but I'm not sure 33 and 31 are that much different for him. When we say the Blazers don't have time, that is true. But they do have this little window here where they could still make some smart moves, even if they can't make the big move. 
I'm hoping that they're able to do something like that. And I'm optimistic that Cronin will be in the right mindset to do that. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right. I think you're right on it with that. The likelihood of the right moves being made and this season getting turned around and us making a run at the Western Conference Finals and then eventually a championship this season, uh, you know, it's as someone who tends to say, like, it's not over till it's over. I still hold to that. It's still it is still possible. But there are a lot of things that are possible that are not probable. And this is one of those things this season. It's possible. Yes, it's possible to turn the season around. And, and I do have hope that the season will turn around to some degree, at least. Is it possible for the tr- Dave? Hear me out. No, no, I'm sorry because I'm thinking, I feel this way every time I open Match.com. Remember we talked about those, you know, kind of online days. That's like, this is not probable, but it's possible. It's It's possible. It's possible for the season to get turned around. It's possible for the Trailblazers to make a finals run. It's possible for the Trailblazers to end up in the Western Conference Finals. It's possible for them to win. It's possible that they win a championship. It's also possible that Dave finds love on the internet. Okay, which is which is more probable? That's my big question. Which is which you think is more possible? Blazers (laughs) make it to the finals, or I find the love of my life on the on some kind of internet dating. I mean, the love of your life feels a little bit like pressure, but like someone that's cool, maybe. Well, there are a lot of people that's. I know a lot of people that are cool already. I don't need someone who's cool. I need someone who's vaguely drooling over my pictures and stuff. I don't know. I still don't know how all this works. But anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a actually that should be a poll question. Which is which is more like which is more which, likely? Which is which of these abysmal possibilities is more likely? Dave oh. finds true romance on, a, on this on a dating site, or the Blazers make it to the finals. <laughs> you know, and every vote we, that the Blazers make it to the finals is more possible. It's gonna hurt. We've we've talked about doing a, a live podcast, and I'm thinking if we if we do, we should do it a two part a two part show, and and one part can be Blazers, and one part can be like The Bachelor for Dave. Oh God. It would be like it would be like forty five year old men showing up, like you're the greatest ever. I'm not the right gender, and I'm not that good looking, and I have crumbs in my beard. But dude, you're awesome. Like hey, thanks, you know, thanks. I love you all. I love I love my fan group. I'm just realistic about who you people, are. It's good to have people show up for you, Dave. It's good to have people show up. Oh, people always show up for me. It's just like, it just looks more like a comic book convention than a, you know, bachelor show. But that's okay. I mean, like I said, I love every damn one of you. I mean, it's just, yeah, I am, I don't mean to diss anybody. It's, it's, I am humbled and in awe. But yeah, it's like funny. Well, anyway, (laughs) it's possible. It's possible. But it's not, it's not probable at this point. It's not looking likely that the Trailblazers are going to win the championship this season. That being said, if Joe Cronin can get in here and do all the things that Neil Olshay refused to do, then maybe we stand a chance in the in the next coming years. And and again, you're right. We we don't have a lot of time. We don't have 
five years to rebuild. We don't have 10 years to rebuild, but we have one, we have two, we could do that and still win with Dame. So I'm holding out that hope for now and, and really, really, really encouraged by Joe Cronin and who he is and his impact thus far. Um, I'm, I'm really happy about that. We have more to talk about with him. How much, how much I was going to ask you though, how much leeway have the Blazers bought with you with this move? I mean, how much, how do you really feel? Cause there, I think there's some people are going, thank God. And anything's okay. Uh, now. And then there's some that are going, well, okay. The Blazers still vaguely suck and he better turn this around or I'm out, you know? Uh, and then there are people in the middle. I, I mean, I don't think one end of the, of the scale or the other is actually factual. You know, I think most people are in the middle. Yeah. Where are you on the scale? I guess we'll get a little serious here for a second. Uh, for me personally, this was huge. It, this goes beyond just the game of basketball. This goes beyond just the franchise of the trailblazers. I was at a point where if all the things that had been said just publicly about Neil, if all the things that had come out about Neil um, were glossed over and he was allowed to continue in his position I would have really, really struggled at that point. I, to be honest, I've struggled as a fan over the last, you know, six months or so. I've obviously continued to cover the team. I continue to talk about the team. But as a fan and my personal attachment to the team, I've struggled. I've been open about that here on the podcast. I've talked about some of the reasons for that. But regardless of what actually went on behind the scenes and what actual conversations happened and how ownership actually feels, regardless of that, the franchise made a conscious decision to listen to people that were hurt and make a decision to let their voices be heard and not silence them. And I appreciate that. And it feels like a huge step in the right direction. I still have problems with some things that have happened, but a lot of the root of those problems for me, truthfully, fell on Olshay. So the fact that now they have removed this man who was a problem, who hurt people, who did things that were questionable, who made decisions that just bulldozed over people who were hurt and and trying to voice that hurt and just ignored that. Uh, I feel good about that. It gives me a little bit of hope that we as a franchise are going to move in the right direction. It gives me hope that there are people who actually care and, and aren't just dismissive of everything that's being said because of money or because of a championship run, which is the whole other, they're not, you know, um, it, it's, it gives me a little bit of hope that somewhere in the midst of all of the madness, um, we are going to actually end up being the team that I once thought we were. Um, I have hope for that. And, and so this for me, uh, aside from just the fact that I think Olshay wasn't great at his job, aside from the fact that I think he, you know, really held us back and made bad management position uh, uh, decisions as far as 
you know, assets and, and players and things like that and turning down trades that I think maybe would have been good for us. Aside from all of that, the fact that this weight has been lifted off the franchise, off of the fans, this weight of this person who was kind of crushing um, things without maybe even people's total knowledge of that, that feels really, really good. And if we lose every single game this season for the rest of the season, I will still feel better about this team than I did at the beginning of the season. And that's the honest truth. That's yeah. I, I empathize with that. Um, I mean, I think they need to see some success. I don't know. I but mean, I think make, we're heading in that direction. Well, and, uh, and that's spiritually, sure. Too. But a, some tangible success would be nice. But that said, it may it may dip before it gets better. It may have to. And I'm but okay even, with that. Go ahead. But even that, though, I think that taking Neil... Uh, Neil, uh, if we want to talk about the basketball side of this, Neil blocked a lot of things that, that could have happened. And so taking a man away that is afraid to make any kind of move with, with people that need to be moved... There's going to be movement and things are going to start to shake out. You're right. We may go downhill. You know, we, we may have some, some struggle before we get better, but it's going to, things are going to start to shake out and we're going to get there as long as there's movement, in my opinion. Yeah. They have a lot of leeway with me and they have a little, look, um, I think an analogy like when you just get out of school or when you just get married and you're in a crap ton of debt because you just paid for a wedding or college or whatever. And it's like, okay, so the Blazers are negative 100,000 in the hole right now. I mean, they've got aging talent, and they're not winning games, and they're not winning in the playoffs enough, and they have no cap space, and they have no draft picks. We've talked about all this, right? So you're negative 100,000. If Joe Cronin gets them to negative 80,000, especially by the end of this year, that's a miracle. That's a good, I mean, I know I'd be bleak. You'll still have some great games. You'll still have some good wins. Might make the playoffs. Might even win a round. I mean, who knows, right? But like anything, anything that moves them forward is going to be progress. And you, you can't go from negative 100,000 to, you know, to positive in a day or a week unless you win the lottery. Maybe there's a lottery-like trade out there. Who knows? But absent that, if he does something, if like things shift and we start gaining some kind of assets, either more wins, better players, uh, where you can angle for actual cap space or you get draft picks, any of that could, could do. And so in a way, okay, it depends on how you look at it. I've talked to Chad doing about this on the radio many times. The path to ultimate success from where they are right now is very narrow and very difficult to hit, maybe impossible. That keyhole is, is down to a sliver now from the window that was open. It's nearly closed. Maybe they can hit that if they can do a Millennium Falcon turn sideways, get out of the Death Star thing before the doors close. But that's not likely. Absent that, though, if you broaden success to getting better and figuring out a new exit or a new way forward, a lot of paths are open to them. There are a lot of ways they could fly this ship, and all of them are going to give them something as long as they don't either keep steering this course or completely blow whatever it is that they're doing. And I don't think that Joe Cronin is going to completely blow his first few moves. Well, you, you very seldom do. 
what you end up doing is you get committed to a course and then you have to make a more precarious decision. And instead of making the best decision, you make the decision that aligns with where you are going. And then there's the risk, right? But when every direction goes up, it's hard to make a bad decision. And the Blazers are pretty close to that right now uh, as far as developing assets and developing their futures. So uh, they've got a lot of leeway with with me. If Joe Cronin is the guy who's going to fill that seat, I'm fine with that, happy with that. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give a couple years. I think that it's control-alt-delete on this whole thing uh, and see what happens. See if Lillard is there when they reboot and when it, you know the screen comes up again and go for it from there. And it's good. It's all going to be good. It's like a breath of fresh air, letting go of old assumptions, having new possibilities. You know what's possible. You know what's probably not. Now let's see what's going to happen. Yeah. And you're not the only one who feels that way about Joe Cronin. You know, he seems to have a really good approval rating. Everybody seems to be pretty positive about him. Um, I think we kind of all forgot what a normal GM looks like. <laughs> and so you you take out a guy like Neil and you put in a guy like Joe Cronin, who who's worked his way up from, you know, being an intern 15 years ago to being in this position, who loves the team, who knows the ins and outs of the team, who isn't really trying to, you know, work his way towards being famous or in the highest position, he's just working hard and doing his job. You get a guy like that after Neil, it's a big breath of fresh air. Um, I think a lot of people are, are feeling good about that. Dame has come out apparently today uh, and said to a reporter that he uh, endorses Cronin as, as being, you know, the next permanent uh, general manager of, of the Portland Trailblazers. That says a lot to have Dane coming out and saying that. I think, you know, that's that's speaks volumes. And I think that'll probably hold some weight. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see going forward if if he stays, if they give him a shot at, at the full-time job, or if he's going to be the interim and they go, you know, a different direction. They could do worse uh, for the reasons you mentioned. And... I think I've interacted with Joe Cronin less than I've interacted with almost anybody in the organizational hierarchy over the years. I'm trying to scratch my head remembering if he and I have ever even talked. Surrounding area around Cronin has always been, nobody's ever had anything to say about him that's been bad. Um, I think a lot of the Blazers' cap work has quietly been pretty good until it was just. <laughs> look, it's not. Look, it's not that the Blazers didn't generate the cap <laughs> space. It's that they didn't use it well when they had it, right? And there have been some skillful things going on here that have had his, I think, fingerprints on it. Also, I think the organizational continuity at this point can't be dismissed. You have a new head coach in Chauncey Billups who has basketball smarts, but not an organizational or any kind of coaching history. And most of the names tabbed to replace Olshay coming from the outside are in a similar position, promising talent or acumen or whatever, but not a lot of history uh, in the position, you know, being a general manager. Nor does Joe Cronin have that, but what does Joe have? He has exactly what you said. He's worked for very little or no money for this franchise. He's come up and he's put up with all the stuff. He's gone through the growth curve and the learning curve of this franchise, not of being a GM, but of the Trailblazers. 
and there's a certain affinity there and there's a certain solidity there that probably the Blazers need right now. And I think that alone might be enough to endorse him. Now, if we still thought the Blazers were like one move away and you, you got a guy who had been proven with the track record to make that move, I think you could have that discussion. I don't think the Blazers are one move away. There are probably lots of moves away and some of those are probably going to be backwards before they go forwards. Again, I said before, you don't pay a GM top dollar to deconstruct first. And that may be what Cronin has to do. And he will be able to deconstruct with some inside knowledge. He will be able to show some care for the franchise and the people around it. Uh, I can't think of anything wrong with him, really. I mean, is he the best candidate? I'm not qualified to say that. But he's certainly a good one. And I think if they keep him, then they will not have done poorly. I mean, they, they may have done. There's at least a possibility that they did the best they could. Yeah, you know, the press conference that they had this week was was really telling, I feel like. There was a press conference with um, with Joe, with uh, Phillips Chauncey. Was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and they talked a lot about just, it, it was just a different, it's been a long time since I haven't felt angst in watching a press conference for the Trailblazers. Um, it's been a long time since I felt like watching a press conference was worth it because I was actually going to get answers to what I wanted to know. Uh, I saw a tweet about it that somebody said, do the reporters even know what to do with actually getting answers to their questions? <laughs> and I thought, man, isn't that the truth? Um, you know, it was refreshing to see him answer questions, even questions he knew he couldn't answer because of legal issues. He answered it that way by saying, hey, I can't answer this question because of this and this and this, instead of saying something like that's proprietary. Um, you know, th- th- he just, he's, he's a likable guy. You don't get this gross car salesman feel from him. Um, y- you feel like he's actually being honest. And I think he is. I think he's trying to be transparent. I think he knows what has happened. He knows what this team is coming off of. And I think that that's in his mind as he's dealing with this. And you can see that, that in how he handles things. There was a moment of joking uh, which I don't remember other than sarcastic, uh, cringy jokes that have happened. You know, they were talking about uh, Billups and and Cronin playing in their high school basketball championship back in 1994 and how Billups beat Cronin in that championship. And uh, someone asked Cronin how he felt about the fact that he was now Chauncey's boss. And he jokingly said, I've been waiting for this day for a long time. And I just think things like that are so refreshing after going through everything with Neil. I constantly think of this like an abusive relationship and what it's like when you get out of an abusive relationship. For people who have been in that, if you haven't, let me give you a little insight. When you get out of an abusive relationship, it's almost like you don't really know what is real and what isn't. You don't know how life is supposed to be. You don't know sometimes even what's up and what's down. And so when people in your life are gentle and kind and treat you well, it goes above and beyond what you're used to. Instead of that just being like, oh, cool, they're a nice person, it is almost shocking. It's almost this like... it it feels so good 
And I feel like that in this situation, we're coming from a situation where it feels like we were, you know, we got nothing. We got no information. You know, we got, you all know what we got. You've been here for it. And so to come from that to this is so nice. Even if he's not perfect, even if he isn't the best person for the job, which I'm not saying he's not, but even if he isn't, this right now is so nice and such a breath of fresh air that I'm really grateful for this, even in transition. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I just, my snarky comment is that that bar was pretty, pretty low. All he had to do was show up and not be Neil. Um, right. And but he, he did it. I mean, look, some of the things with this organization that have happened, I mean, the bar has been pretty darn low and they haven't cleared it. They haven't even acted like there's a bar. They just kicked the bar right over. Uh, so, I mean, hey, that's that's at least something. But yeah, I mean, look, it's hard to say too much about Joe Cronin until he does something. But I'm fine with this. I, I, I agree with Dame. He would be a fine candidate. I think there are others out there. I, I really do. Boy, no continuity. It's what we talked about last time. I mean, literally everybody's gone. They talked about on TNT with the Phoenix game last night. I mean, uh, Phoenix, for instance, is a team that has aggregated uh, continuity. Even when they've gotten new players, it's been like Chris Paul or a new coach, Monty Williams, who bring instant. They, they don't need continuity with, their, with your franchise. They are pillars that will hold up the roof the minute they step into the room, right? Meanwhile, the Blazers just took all their... It's like a really scary game of Jenga. Like, <laughs> you lose Neil, obviously, which needed to happen. But, you know, Chris McGowan, gone. Terry Stotts, gone. You know, it's like all the pillars. Uh, and maybe some players now as well. And look, if they do lose Damian Lillard, that's the last one. There's, there's, no, there's no organizational memory left at that point. And you just need someone, I think, that has that thing that at least remembers or has walked through it, Cronin fills that role. So I, I think, hey, he, if he's not an entire pillar right now, at least he can reach near the ceiling and he knows where the ceiling is and his feet are on the floor. It's probably what the Blazers need right now. I think the bar has been set real low, like you said, and really there's nowhere to go but up. Right. Well, and here's the other thing is, if Cronin's personality is a little more laid back or normal, part of the thing with Neil was probably, and we don't know this for sure, but it doesn't take too many leaps to get here, that Neil was not going to hire anybody that butted heads with Neil. Neil was not going to hire anybody that outshone Neil. I mean, Terry Stotts in his original hire was as milquetoast of a candidate as possible. Now, he was very good. I mean, I think, as I've said continually, he's one of the really good ma moves that Neil Olshay made. And I respect the heck out of Terry Stotts, uh, one of my favorite coaches, I think, that the Blazers have had. Uh, at the same time, that hire was Neil bringing up Terry. There was no Terry, like, butting into Neil's space at all. Uh, Chauncey Billups, same way, same hire. Right, I mean, first first year head coach, very much in the Neil family. Chauncey was there because Neil hired him, and that's it. Neil was not going to bring a, a a person in who was going to have their own strong personality or even be able to shine. We know that's true of staff. Was it also did players or other people also feel some of this? Right now, I don't think Neil would have outshone a player, but you know, it's just like. 
when you have that kind of personality or approach, people sense it. And they know, you know, this is your party. It's not my party. I'm always going to be at your party. And if you're a really, really good player or coach or talent or anything, you don't want to just eternally int- attend someone else's party. <laughs> you you, you want to have your own party. So does Joe Cronin open up the possibility for getting more strong personalities and strong talents in here? Maybe. Maybe not. It's kind of a right-brained, ethereal thing, but I think it's at least a chance, and I think it's more of a chance than the Blazers had with Olshay. Yeah, for sure. I, again, you know, when the bar is so low, it, it's just so low. Like, I don't know that... I, I, I It's just so low. So I think we're going up. <laughs> so you know, could, you, could you not blow all the cap space, Joe? <laughs> could you not just, just don't blow all the cap space. Also... Could you maybe not blow all the draft picks? <laughs> like I know Neil had and some good like, lower round draft picks, but I still think of 2017. It's like, could you not blow all of them? Just good, good one work. And just don't be a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not that hard. Yeah. You have anyway, but yeah. yeah, you're right. Let's 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 start to manage things a little better. Let's start to make small steps in the right direction if a big step is is awaiting you take it like let's just move forward and just keep pushing forward and and you know we're gonna get there my brain is just I, I there's a couple other little random things to talk about nothing these were the huge things um you know cj mccullum is out i don't think we talked about this last week no he yeah, p- punctured lung but that's a big thing hopefully we'll find out before this podcast drops uh to the public yeah. what's going on and if not it's a little bit itchy uh because they were supposed to have news by now uh that's not to say anything is big or anything is more or whatever but uh, I, w- I think the Blazers would like to have a prognosis on this because it would help them yeah. uh, plan. And, you know, CJ, love him or hate him, think he should be traded or whatever. He's a huge part of this team. And you saw it against yeah. the Suns in this game we just watched before we recorded because the Blazers, as we said, actually played some decent defense for good stretches of this game. But one of the comments I made in my recap was that at no point or very few points did they really play good defense and also generate points. And that's because no CJ. I mean, and Norman Powell did and Damian Lillard did. Although, here's the other hidden thing, Dia, about this Lillard thing. Lillard took over tonight, and as he has during some points in recent weeks, you know, when he's been not injured, he scored big. He scored 31, but he took 31 shots to do it. Okay? And so... Like, Dame has some stats that look real good, but this is not the Damian Lillard we know. And he, by the way, he missed a lot of three-pointers going down the stretch. He missed a lot of shots that normally it would have been Dame time and this game would have been sewn up and the Blazers won by eight. Instead, they lost by four and, and Dame was missing. Um, now, again, he played 47 minutes, so part of that's fatigue. But this is, we've not seen Dame back yet. Even with the big scoring, we've not seen Dame back. This is this is two thirds of Dame. Uh, this is thirty-one shots to take to make thirty-one points, Dame, which is very NBA, but not very Dame. So yeah, I we need to know what's happening with McCollum. Uh, we need to know a little bit what's happening with Dame and whether this is actually going to get better this year or not. Uh, and we need some clarity on both. Yeah, so Dame, just an update, you know, received a cortisone shot 
and made his return in the Timberwolves game. Um, so he's back. He, you know, obviously he had been sitting for a while. So we do have him back. But like Dave just said, like you just said, it, it, you know, he hasn't been his, his normal self still. And and we're getting into the season now. We need him to to get back to some form of normalcy. I'm trying to remember when Dame took 31 shots and scored less than 50. I mean, I, I don't think that's happened very often. I don't know. I haven't looked it yeah. up. But if if when Dame's taking 31 shots, I, I expect he scored 50 to 60 points. That's how that usually works. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's clarity. And clarity will help set expectations, by the way. Uh, because, look, if this is the Dame we're going to get all year, then making moves that are just going to be win now is a wee bit of a waste of time because the Blazers are never going to win big with this, with this dame that they're getting right now. What, what's going on is the big question. And same with CJ. Now, is he, is he coming back? Is he going to return to his early season form? Is he that valuable? Because you know what? Unless they see a fully functional CJ, other teams are going to avoid that contract like the plague. I mean, if he's at all injured or he's yeah. not performing well, he's making way too much money to trade for. So, look, we talk about Joe Cronin and expectations. The first expectation is figure out what the hell is going on here and what can reasonably be expected. And if neither one of those players can get back to full form this year, you've got to bag all thoughts of trading, except for trading around the edges, until the summer. It just cannot be done. Uh, and unless we have a bit more knowledge about what exactly is going on here. And I'm telling you, uh, I'm guessing that will affect even Dame. Someone's going to buy in on Dame no matter what, like a team like the Lakers would, but what could they offer? Other teams who need real value, who need the franchise changing Dame and are willing to give up huge value to get him, need to know what Dame they're getting. And it's not going to be too much longer when he's playing like this before they go... I want to know that this is a weird thing going on and not just him turning a corner in his career because this Dame, yeah. you would not trade the farm for. I, I feel like I say this every single week, but we're in a weird place right now where we have these potential opportunities, but like CJ's sitting on the bench hurt and, you know, Dame's struggling and whatever else. So yeah, we're not, we're not where we should be. We're not where we should be. That being said, uh, we're just we're keeping hope alive here, Dave. We're keeping hope alive. There's, you know, we're better off than we were a couple weeks ago. Um, it feels like all hope is not lost. I'm encouraged by the fact that, you know, as much as we've been struggling, we went into overtime. We took a, a the second team in the league into overtime tonight and almost beat them. And you know that tells me that. The skills are are there. The ability is there. They just have to, you know, some some changes need to be made. Some tweaks need to be made. But but there is there's a level of skill here that's good. And and this isn't all bad. There's there's a lot of good intertwined here. Right. Uh, just a quick follow up here too. I've researched at least the last couple of years. Last year, Dame shot thirty times once and scored thirty five. So that's not terribly. Far what he was far off what it was tonight, but like 2019 20, uh, five times he took 30 or more field goal attempts, and the lowest he scored in those was 42. And his 61, 60, and 61 games were all 32, 33, and 37. That's kind of what we expect 
when Dame right. takes that many shots, to have Dame take 31 shots and score 31 points is way different than uh, it was in November 8th against Dallas in 2020, where he took 32 shots and scored 61 points. There's a world of difference between those Dames. And this ain't that. So, I mean, ranking questions, that's the number one. What's going on with Dame? Number two is how valuable is CJ on the market? Uh, number three is what can they get for Nurkic and Covington, either packaged with CJ or if they have to without. Those are the three big questions going on in that order. And we need to see more, I suppose. I mean, we're not going to get the answer to two and three for another month. But gosh, Dame, Dame really looking better would go a heck of a long way to making this season more hopeful. I agree. And I, and I think it's coming. I think it's coming. I really, really do. Well, let's hope so. We know what's coming next week. It's another uh, podcast where hopefully we'll be able to be more enthusiastic about talking about games because the Blazers might actually, you know, win one. So let's hope we do this when there's a Wednesday game. We don't know what happens in Memphis uh, against Memphis, but we're, we're assuming they're going to win. The Blazers are going to win tomorrow. Memphis is a young team, primed to lose on the road. Portland played really well tonight. Yes, they went in overtime and they'll get tired. And yes, Dame will be fatigued, but we're Sure, Anthony Simons is going to step up. Nasir Little is going to embrace his new starting role. And uh, the Blazers are going to go crazy against uh, Memphis. Oh, and Nurk, too. A huge Nurk game, we're predicting. And the Blazers finally come up with a win uh, to cure that losing streak. So for Dia Miller, I'm Dave Deckard. You've heard it right here. We will talk to you next week about that Memphis win and hopefully one or two. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop. But then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here and alley She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent. <laughs>